Welcome to this episode of the India in Focus podcast. My name is Tamra Segal and I'm the Communications and Outreach Manager at Harvard's Lakshmi Mittal and Family South Asia Institute. Today we are joined by Himakshi Meghani, co-founder of the Indian School of Democracy. Himakshi graduated from Harvard Kennedy School with a Master's in Public Policy as a World Bank Graduate Scholar. She started her journey as a Teach for India Fellow. Um, she's been working with Boston Consulting Group and has been a part of two startups in the education and socio-political consulting space. Himakshi has attended and facilitated various leadership forums across the world and is a trained coach in adaptive leadership. She's very passionate about politics, bottom-up social reform, and making democracy work for every citizen of the country. Himakshi, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Great. Great. Um, so the first question is a two-part question. Um, you co-founded the Indian School of Democracy in 2018. Did you always want to go into the field of politics? You have worked for two startups in the education space, as well as Boston Consulting Group, and you were a Teach for India fellow. How did these experiences shape your path to co-founding the Indian School of Democracy? Yeah, um, thank you for getting me started and diving right in. Um, so I think the answer to your question, if I always wanted to be in politics, is mostly yes, because, um, and I've shared this story many times, but I was in fifth grade where I remember a dinner table conversation where I told my parents that I want to be a politician and I don't want to be just any politician, but I want to be the politician that solves poverty for India. Uh, and of course, like in any normal middle-class family, there was silence because they thought my aspirations are going to change. I will want to be a doctor or an engineer like rest of my family. But I think um, the seed of wanting to be in public service, wanting uh, to be in politics especially, definitely was sown very early in my life. Um, but the problem was that I didn't have role models around me, right? Like if I want to be an IS officer, there were role models. If I wanted to be in business, there were role models. So people I could relate to, talk to. But if I wanted to be in politics, it was just one of those big black holes uh, that people didn't have access to. But I kept thinking about it. And I think as I, I did my undergrad in liberal arts, so I got exposure to a lot of things. And immediately as I jumped into Teach for India, because my mentor said, like, if you want to work on policymaking, you need to get your hands dirty. You need to know what's happening on the ground. Um, so I joined Teach for India and that I think really, really contributed to uh, my understanding of the system, seeing multiple nodes of the system, what happens at what point, what does an IS officer do versus a state level bureaucrat versus what happens in schools on the ground. Of course, all of this in context of primary education in the state of Maharashtra, uh, but I kept reading to understand more and more. And so my life choices or career choices kind of uh, definitely lined up according to this. I um, and after four years, four and a half or five years of working, I was at uh, the Kennedy School and that really, really, I think, brought back policy in, uh, sorry, politics in my life. Because so far, I think like I got a, in the five years of working, I got an understanding of policy, but uh, politics is a different ball game. And Kennedy School has a 
very, very active ground for talking about politics. I had classmates who'd worked with politicians across the world. Uh, and it just felt like politics was a lot more accessible um, to youth outside India. Of course, some countries, I don't want to speak for all countries. And then at Harvard, there's a program called Harvard Square to Oval Office, which trains women to get into politics. Uh, so that's where I got a structure to what politicians can actually be trained to do. Like, what does a training program look like? Um, to get people in politics. Uh, so in some ways, yeah, all of these experiences contributed to me starting Indian School of Democracy along with my co-founder. Great, that sounds like a very interesting journey. Um, could you tell us a bit about the role that you play at the organization? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think like a lot of startups uh, in any industry, I think nonprofits are not really different uh, because I end up in the early two years, of course, I ended up doing everything. My co-founder was in the US uh, doing his master's and building connections and partnerships there in the academia. Whereas year I was on the ground, I spent the first year just going around the country, meeting more than 400 people, trying to understand what this politics actually is, trying to decode it, meeting a lot of young people to understand their aspirations and fears, but also meeting seasoned politicians who were in politics for 30, 40 years, had been in highest positions of power, meeting institution builders, academics who studied politics in detail. So I think early years, my role was just to understand the problem and figure out what is it that we want to do and translate that to strategy. And then we started building a team in 2019. So my role evolved a little bit to not just keep all of that knowledge in my head or questions in my head, but actually build a small team um, that does that as well. Now that my co-founder is back and we have a team of 10 people, it seems a little more streamlined uh, than the early years. So I now look at research program, of course, which is the center of the work that we do. And we'll talk hopefully a little bit more about it. But what should the curriculum be? How the trainings should be delivered? What the space should be like um, so that it acts as that in political incubator that we imagine ISD to be? Uh, fundraising, I think, as every entrepreneur has to do, is a very important part of my role. And then communications um, as well. Could you tell us a bit more about your organization's goals, especially the audacious goal that's mentioned on your website of having 25% of political leaders uh, be principled by 2047, uh, 2047, which will be 100 years of independence. What does that mean exactly to have principled leaders? Yeah, um, I think this is a heavy question and I'll try to break it down in a way that uh, the listeners will be able to uh, be engaged, hopefully. Um, so I think our mission is to nurture principled political leaders who have the moral courage and imagination to work towards Sarvodaya. And Sarvodaya means upliftment of all. Uh, because currently Indian democracy is working for few of us. I think as English people, English speaking, educated people, we have access to services. Even if the government doesn't deliver, that's okay. The social fabric, of course, affects all of us, but we can control the amount of um, impact it has on our day-to-day -day lives. But that's not the case for more than 90% of the country. Um, and this is not to say the quality of democracy doesn't affect us. But I think like there's more in control in our lives because of the privileges that we carry uh, than most of the country. So, um, and we imagine, I think our theory of change is very simple, that we want right people in right decision-making positions. Because if we look at history, 
a lot of significant changes have happened because of politicians, whether it's ending of slavery, it's ending of apartheid, even in current times, right? Like just looking at oh, what Jacinda Ardern's doing in New Zealand or what we talk about leadership or what's happening in Ukraine and Russia right now. I think it's all political. So not just the good things, but also a lot of bad things happen because of what politicians decide. And hence, it's really important that the best hearts and minds of the country choose politics, which is not happening right now. 43% of our current parliamentarians have criminal record and 29% of them are serious criminal records like rape and murder. So when I think and 86% of people sitting in parliament are men, whereas 50% of the country is women. So there's just a lot of disparity in how our democracy is functioning, delivering and not delivering. So we imagine people from different backgrounds actually representing the country, which is the spirit of the constitution as well. Um, and that's what we are aiming to do. We want politics to become an attractive option for the best hearts and minds of the country. And we know Indian School of Democracy is not going to be able to do that alone. But just like there are law schools to train lawyers, there are science, uh, science uh, scientists to train, and there's medical school to train doctors. Um, why don't we have something that inspires people to get into politics. So that's the role Indian Schools of Democracy wants to play. And to your specific question about our audacious goal of 2047, uh, so there's research uh, which says that to shift the needle on any social issue, 3.5% people in the system need to act differently. Um, and it shows that when these 3.5 act collectively, the system actually shifts. Um, and so if we had to apply that to Indian politics, we would be able to say, let's have 3.5 good principal politicians and then the system will shift. Uh, but we realize that Indian politics is murky. It's very complicated. So why take the risk? Why settle at 3.5? Let's have a vision of at least 25% people in decision-making positions being principal leaders. And when I say politicians, I don't mean just members of parliament. I mean MLAs, I mean Sarpanchas and councillors, I mean Zilla Parishad members. So making local democracy come alive as well. Um, so that's a big uh, goal and vision. And I'll talk a little bit about what principled politics means to us. So firstly, we never say we want to nurture or train just politicians. We always say we want to nurture principled political le uh, uh, leaders or politicians because um, the country doesn't have a um, dearth of intelligent people, right? Like with just our population, had access to higher education and primary education. We have a lot of skilled people, but if the inner moral compass is not in place, it's very unlikely that it's going to translate for policies and a kind of politics that really unites and elevates the level of society. So we imagine these principal leaders who have their head, hearts and hand aligned. People who of course have the skills, who are politicians of future, who can use technology, data, behavioral science to um, make sure democracy is reaching uh, the last citizen or every citizen. Um, but we also want people who have their morals in place, who have their value systems in place, who are self-aware, who have values like compassion and empathy, because that's what you need. And uh, the third pillar of our work is community. How can we have a vibrant community of these principled politicians who stand with each other, who hold each other accountable uh, to stick to these values? So I would say I can go more in detail about a six capital framework that we have, but broadly, I think when we say principal leader, we mean leaders who have their head, hearts and hand aligned and are working towards Sarvoda, um, working towards making democracy come alive for every citizen. Right, okay. So there are three main programs under Indian School of 
uh, democracy. One is the Good Politician, a nine-month program. She represents a one-week program and Democracy Express, a nine-day program. What do participants tell you they learned in these programs and how do they help them become better future political leaders? So um, I think when we started, the idea was to just run a long program. But as I, as I was sharing, I was going across the country meeting young people and it felt like we need to prepare an ecosystem for people to get ready for getting trained in politics, right? So that's how the shorter programs came into being. We said to reclaim the word politics to ensure that people think of it as one of the highest forms of public service. From, to make it aspirational, we need to give exposure to politics to young people. So that's how Democracy Express started. It's a 10-day traveling journey where we go to different parts of India, meet national leaders, state level leaders, local leaders, student politicians to understand the person behind the politician. Because often our idea of politics and leadership is restricted to what we see on 9 p.m. TV debates. And I really hope our generation is not growing up with that idea of politics. Because when we meet these people in person, I think a very important part of them comes out. They're so much more candid. They talk about their struggles. They talk about the idealism. And I think um, Democracy Express essentially aims to do that, to broaden the horizon of politics, to give exposure to people of politics. Um, all our cohorts have at least 50% women. Um, so in Democracy Express, it's like for beginners, uh, people who are thinking of politics, but want to do, um, want to get more of an exposure. Uh, but she represents came about after Democracy Express because we realized the conversation in women dorms were very different because the challenges that women face in politics are very different. So we thought we wanted to do a program that's only for women who want to enter into politics. So that's how she represents kind of came about. But again, we focus on the three skills that I mentioned, hard skills in politics, inner work and building a community. Here also they meet people like women politicians who overcome a lot to be in politics. Uh, what are the challenges? What, are, what is the potential of being in politics and things like that? And the third program is our flagship program. It's a nine month executive program. This is a program for people who are slightly more senior, who are very close to contesting elections, either at a city level or at a village level. Who uh, This is not the first step in politics. This is probably the third or fourth step in politics, but they need a structure uh, to contest elections, to do something, to prepare themselves for the long haul. Uh, so that's what Good Politician does. In all our programs, I think we're committed to at least five to 10 years of alumni support because the gestation period in politics is really long. Elections come about once in a while. You need to really like build your image. You need to prepare resources. You need to connect with your constituency. So we stand with our alumni for a very long time as they figure out their journey in politics. Okay, and uh, I think you may have already lightly touched on this, but what sort of candidates do these programs tend to attract? Is it people who want to start their own political party or members of currently established parties? So I think the belief that we have is that every single party needs good people. We, uh, I'm not sure, and this could be my diagnosis, I'm not sure if adding more parties is going to solve the democratic flux that India is in. It's about really changing the people who are entering the system, who will then change the system itself. Uh, and so my problem is not the parties itself. And hence, we don't really focus on people who want to start new parties, though some of our alumni are actually starting a new party already. Um, but we look at, we are nonpartisan, so we want to work with people across party lines. Our belief is the constitution of India, and whoever believes in that 
comes to our programs across. We have people who come from like 14 to 15 different parties. Our alumni come from overall 26 different states of India out of the 29 states. Um, so it's a pretty diverse cohort. But the distinction I want to mention is that one, we make a difference in policy and politics. So there's a lot of schools and courses for policy in India. It's become a buzzword. But in India, there's still the bridge between policy and politics is not established yet. There needs to be more development of the political ecosystem or giving structure to the political ecosystem. And we're very clearly working on politics. Um, and we wanted to not be... Um, our programs are not limited to people who speak English who are from urban areas. We and we were very clear of that, right? Inclusion and representation is very core to ISD. So, of course, we spread our word through social media and all the digital channels, but we build partnerships with grassroots organizations who work with people of um, different castes, different religion, who work with women grassroots leaders, and we partner with them to find the people we want to work with. So we have people who come from six to seven different religions. We have people from many different castes. 90% of our people actually come from economically uh, disadvantaged families, because our belief is that if they've really gone through the problem themselves, they're more likely and equipped to address those challenges when they come to power. So, um, and 60% of our audience is rural, 40% is urban. 50% uh, 50 of all programs are women, but we do a special program for women. So that means 70% of the people we work with are women. Average age, I would say, is 35 in the longer program and 29 to 30 in the shorter programs um, that we do. Yeah. Okay, that gives us a nice view of the kind of people you're attracting. And I, I definitely agree with the attracting people who've gone through what they're fighting for um, and reaching out to the grassroots level. I think that's a, a fantastic way of looking at this. Um, so my next question is, what do you enjoy most about your work? And did your time at Harvard contribute to how you work at ISD? Mm -hmm. um, I think I enjoy most of what I do. Um, because And because we're in such a nascent phase, a lot of my time actually goes in speaking uh, with alumni. I'm on the road for 20 days, traveling to remote parts of India where our alumni are getting ready to contest elections so that I get to really understand what are the challenges they work with. And I learn so much about India, so much about young people, so much about the system that we are operating in. So a big part of my work is that. Uh, Good part of my work also goes in organization building, which is setting up processes, working with the team to get them ready, to orient them towards adult development and leadership, which is what I learned at Harvard as well. So I did specific courses on leadership, adult learning, which I bring here. Mm as well and then some part of my work goes of course in fundraising like I was mentioning because we believe that um, everyday Indians need to contribute to building Indian School of Democracy our programs are not see like of course there's a price to it but like 90 to 95 percent of them don't pay anything and everyday Indians can't donate to ISD and that's what builds it because if we make fees or a degree a barrier, then we're not going to be able to attract the audience that we work with. So I have to make sure that I spend time in fundraising, of course, along with my co-founder, who spends a lot of his time as well, and then building partnerships. And I do think overall, my approach and um, anchoring towards public leadership um, is very heavily influenced by my time at Kennedy School, because uh, we had forums, we had people from um, presidents and politicians from different countries coming and talking, sharing their personal journeys. So it made, uh, it demystified politics for me. It um, 
and I'm still in touch with so many of my professors and friends who are from all over the world, even in India, right? I think like just the Harvard community is so strong and a lot of them uh, help in um, building ISD and giving the shape that it is taking right now. Okay. Could you tell us a bit more about your journey to Harvard Kennedy School, how you got there, um, your past education, and what drove you to study for a master's in public policy? So I was a child who went to a state board school who didn't have an idea of what even Delhi University is, forget Harvard. Uh, but I, like I was sharing, I think my undergrad college flame, I was the first cohort there. I studied in Pune. It really opened up the world to me. I had professors from all over the world who were teaching me. I was studying feminism and I was studying, studying filmmaking and religion and economics. So just uh, I think the confluence of that really helped me think about things experience and um, go in search of a lot of uh, avenues. And that's how I came across Harvard Kennedy School. But I was very clear I didn't want to jump into it directly. So I worked on the field for five years in education, in education policy with kids who were on the street, uh, with campaigning and things like that. And that's what led me to Kennedy School. Uh, again, policy was not a big deal in India at that time when I started applying um, outside. And uh, I did get in the first year, but I didn't get a scholarship. So I waited, I like, uh, I deferred my admission because I was very clear I wanted to go on a scholarship. I didn't want a big loan on my head. Uh, the reason I was so clear about this is because I wanted to come back to India and having a big loan would not allow me to do the job or the work that I want to do. Um, so I waited for a year and I was lucky to get the World Bank scholarship, which really changed my experience at Kennedy School because then I was not attending networking events from the point of view of getting a job. I was attending events because I wanted, I was curious about things. I was um, just, yeah, making very real connections uh, in some way. So I'm very grateful for the scholarship that I got. It allowed me to do so much during my time there and it allowed me to immediately come back to India and dive into the work I wanted to do. So the last question that we have for you today is um, the Economist Intelligence Unit has found that India's democracy score has continued on a downward spiral in recent years. Mm -hmm. How can we ensure that our country, which is a democracy, does not turn into an autocracy in the future? Um, yeah, I think um, Economist, when we them, Freedom House Index, whatever index you want to take, I think we are on a downward slope. Um, then uh, there have been questions about the method and applicability in Indian context. But overall, I think in our day-to-day -day experience, we can feel that the basic tenets of democracy are um, getting violated. And I think the one that strikes me the most is the inequality in the country that we live with. And what worries me is the apathy towards it. Um, so I always say, of course, I work in politics. I'm going to say that one of the best ways is to ensure that people in decision-making positions are people who are honest, people who are skilled, and people who are in it for the right reasons. So making politics an avenue that's not dirty, not like shying away from considering politics or encouraging people to get into politics. I think the second one, which is more uh, doable in day-to-day -day lives, is just getting involved in the local stuff, right? If I live in an urban area, do I know when the ward meetings happen? Am I in touch with 
with my counselor or the MLA and keeping them accountable? Do I give my inputs there? So just being a good citizen, an informed citizen, an active citizen is something that all of us can do because then when the big stuff comes in about corruption, about uh, oppression, we are clued on. We know what we are talking about. We know the system really well and hence we can identify the intervention points. So I think if there's one thing I would urge people to do is get involved in the local issues, local structures, local systems um, to like make democracy what it needs to be. Yes, absolutely. I think um, we have to be the change that we want to see without sounding cliche. Yeah. I think we have to embody that way of thinking if we, if we want to make a change. And um, thank you so much, Himakshi, for sharing uh, with our listeners all about your work, uh, your you know work. With, it's such a it's such a meaningful work that you're doing. I think it it's really holds a lot of potential, especially now in these sort of turbulent times. It's, it's something that can really make a huge difference. And it's something that this country really needs. And thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us and for sharing your views. And we really appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for having me.